You're listening to Time in the Word. In his final message of the End Times Prophecy series, Dr. Gonzalez will discuss the intermediate state. If invited to a party or a funeral, which one would you rather attend and why? Contrary to conventional wisdom, Solomon counsels that it is better to go to a funeral home, a house of mourning, than to attend a party, a house of feasting. In Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2, Solomon said, Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. He explains that it is better because parties tend to promote an empty, useless perspective on life, whereas it is at the funeral home that we face reality. Dr. Gonzalez will explain the biblical view of death and discuss death and the unbeliever and death and the believer. Let us listen to Dr. Gonzalez's final message of the series. Today we conclude a series that we had entitled The Bible and Tomorrow's Headlines. We have been for the last, believe it or not, 36 weeks, we have been looking at an in-depth study into Bible prophecy. We started with the chapter entitled, Why is it important to study prophecy or why study prophecy? And now we're ending with this particular message uh, entitled, The Intermediate State. We looked in the last few weeks at the Millennium Kingdom. We discussed the which was the first phase of, of God's kingdom. And then last week we discussed the eternal state, which is the second and last phase of God's uh, eternal kingdom. Now we look at the intermediate state. This is essentially an appendix to, to the study uh, uh, because, because we have essentially already entered the eternal state. So it's, uh, the study in and of itself would have been over, but this is sort of an appendix to, to the study. And what we want to look at today is we want to consider what it is that happens to those who are in Christ and die uh, prior to, to uh, uh, entering the eternal state or, or being, uh, you know, and what happens to unbelievers after they physically depart this earth, after the material and the immaterial uh, separates. Now, let me ask you a, a question. If, if you were invited to a party and you were invited to a funeral, which one would you rather attend and why? Well, I suppose if we're going to be honest, most of us would argue that we would probably rather go to a party. What Solomon would call a house of feasting rather than going to a funeral, what he would refer to as a house of, house of mourning. And, and I suppose the reasons why we would say that would, I guess, be apparently obvious. But contrary to conventional wisdom, Solomon actual, actually counsels us that it is better for us to go to the funeral home than it is to go to the party. There's an interesting passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 2, 2 to 6, and I'll read you that passage. In it, Solomon says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death, listen, for death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. This is why, he says, 
uh, it is more beneficial that we go to the house of mourning or to the funeral. Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Verse 6, like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so it is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Now, consider for a moment why it is that he is saying this. He's actually saying, and I'll read that passage again because it's kind of striking. He's actually saying, I want to find that specific one. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. What does that mean? I mean, doesn't that fly in the face of conventional wisdom? Why would Solomon counsel us? And listen, at the end of the day, it's not really Solomon, the person, the individual telling us, this it's God. This is this is God's word. Why would God make a statement that says sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart? Why would God counsel us counsel us to go to the funeral home, a house of mourning, rather than to attend a party, a house of feasting? The point is this. In the house of mourning, when we are at the funeral home, we face reality. It is in that place where we see things as they are. And I suppose that's why people don't like to think about or talk about death. Because in their mind of the not only maybe in the mind of some the uncertainty of what may come after death but maybe in the minds of others because of the certainty of things that come after death and you know the experience for those who die in Christ is unlike the experience of those who die apart from Christ death at the end of the day death is something most people don't want to think about, particularly unbelievers. But the Bible does specifically tell us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, that it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. You notice that this verse clearly implies that there is life after death because if all of life if our existence ended after death there would be no judgment but since there is judgment after death it clearly seems to imply that there is more to what we perceive after we physically die 
It is no wonder also why millions of people seem to flock to the cults and to these philosophies that reject the possibility of judgment after death. Listen, who would not want to, listen, who in their natural condition, in their depraved heart, would not like to belong to a religion that tells them that they are okay and that when you come to the end of you, there's nothing bad waiting for you. And that's why we find a number of religions springing up and vying for the, for, 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 for the minds and souls of people and getting them. But the truth of the matter is, and listen, don't lose sight of this. The truth of the matter is that whether you whether whether it is because you don't want to think about it, or whether it's because you hope it's not true, or whether or whether it is because you feel comfortable uh, makes you comfortable rejecting the idea of judgment and 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 condemnation or punishment coming after death. It doesn't make it less true that it is true. If God says one is appointed to die and after death comes judgment, and depending on your spiritual state, you may enter into eternal punishment or eternal uh, bliss, uh, that is true. And it won't change because you hope for it to change. Now, the intermediate state is that state in which we go to prior to our eternal abode. And there's a measure of truth, uh, I mean, there's a view for believers and there's a view for unbelievers. Now, let's look a little bit at the biblical view of death. Death is real. Death is inevitable. We know that. Although death is unnatural. Did you know that death is unnatural? When God created Adam and Eve, He created them to live forever. God never intended for Adam and Eve to physically die. Death is unnatural, but because of the fall, it is inevitable. When God created the heavens and the earth, death was not part of it. And that is why eventually death will finally be conquered, according to Paul, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, and banished. Listen, that is why death is banished from the new creation. Last week we talked about the fact that for believers who enter into the eternal state, one of the, one of the uh, things that, that we will no longer experience in the eternal state is death. Uh, something that we all experience today, uh, uh, certainly we will experience ourselves in, uh, at some point, but we experience death all the time from people we know, relatives, friends, families, co-workers. It's inevitable but not natural. And it will be banished from the new creation. Now, there's three kinds of death the scriptures speak about. Spiritual death, which is the separation from the creature and his creator. And this occurred uh, at the fall. And you can find this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. There is eternal death, which is the final permanent separation of the unsaved person from God, Revelation 20:14, And physical death, which is the separation of the material and the immaterial person. And you can find this in Genesis 35, 18 through 19. 
when a person dies physically, and, 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 and you know, we, I suppose we don't always think of it in these terms, but when a person dies physically, the person, him, the person didn't die. The only thing that really occurred was that the immaterial part of the person and the material part of the person were separated. That is what physical death is. The person doesn't cease to exist. In fact, all human beings have eternal life. The gift of God is not eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life in His presence. All souls have eternal life. Physical death is nothing more than the material part of me separating from the immaterial part of me, me being the immaterial part. What you see is not me. What you see is that which covers me, the immaterial part of me. So physical death is nothing more than the material part of me and the immaterial part of me separating. But I don't cease to exist when I physically die. Now what happens to, let's talk a little bit about death and the unbeliever, and the unbeliever being that person who has refused to repent, acknowledge their sin, and who has refused to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. What happens to the unbeliever? Well, after physical death, conscience, conscious, conscious existence continues. That is what the scriptures teach us. But the fate of that person is not a pleasant one because he experiences punishment in hell. Now there is a difference between hell and the place where they will finally go to for eternity. Hell is not the final resting place for unbelievers. It is where they go to in their, consci you know, in their conscious state until the res uh, until the final judgment at the judgment at the great white throne judgment and before they're cast into the lake of fire now many passages both in the old testament as well as in the new testament speak of the fact that hades and sheol are places of judgment and punishment for the wicked not simply a hole in the ground or what we would call a grave so technically, it is true in the Bible, hell is, see, is, is not seen as a place of eternal punishment. Hell will come to an end when it is thrown into the lake of fire. So death and the unbeliever is this, and this is the intermediate state. When a person who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, when a person refuses to repent of their sin and that person dies, the immaterial part of that person separates from the material part of that person. But the person continues to exist in, 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 uh, continues in conscious existence. And that person goes to hell, a place of torment, until the final judgment and until he is cast once for all, for all of eternity, into the lake of fire. Now listen, I know we don't hear it in the churches anymore, rarely hear any sermons on hell, but hell exists in the lake of fire, the final resting place for those who have rejected Jesus and a place of torment for eternity exists. 
And whether you decide not to think about it because you don't like the thought of it doesn't cause hell and the lake of fire to cease to exist. One day, listen, there's only two places a soul can go to after dying. Or there's only two places where a soul can rest for for eternity. Or go to find its final place to be for eternity. Let's not say resting because certainly the lake of fire is not going to be a, a, a place of rest. But people go to one of two places. People either go into the presence of God, into the eternal state, in the new heaven and new earth forever, or they go into hell and then the lake of fire for eternity and feel the torment and wrath of God and, 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 and don't experience God ever again for all of eternity. There's only two places. Now let's talk a little bit about death and the believer. Now, after the physical death of a believer and before his resurrection, that person exists in an intermediate state. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of information about this condition because the hope of the believer is the resurrection. When it's all complete, not the intermediate state. So it doesn't give us a lot of information about the intermediate state. However, some important certainties are given by the writers of Scripture about what happens to a believer at death. First of all, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, one of my favorite passages, the Bible guarantees us that nothing, including death, nothing, including death, can separate the believer from the Lord. That's important to know. And you know what? I believe it because God said it. And as far as I know, nobody ever has ever proven God to be unfaithful to any of His promises. So God in His Word says that nothing, including death, will separate me from Him. Meaning that not even at death will I be abandoned by the Lord. That's a comforting thought. Secondly, believers need not fear death because Christ, who has already gone through death, is with us. Look at Psalm 23.4. Though death may appear to be a sting, Christ has already been victorious over death. And in the future, death will be destroyed. You notice that in the New Testament, the Bible, when speaking about death in reference to believers, the Bible actually uses the word sleep because that's all it is. Now, we'll make some, we'll qualify that statement in a moment. But it presents death in a non-frightening way because for the believer, death is not frightening. Thirdly, believers are assured that Christians who die go into the presence of God immediately. As soon as the material body separates from the immaterial person, that person goes into the presence of God immediately. 
I'll give you a reference, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. There is absolutely, listen, there is absolutely no suggestion whatsoever in Scripture to support the positions that would argue for unconsciousness or purgatory. At death, the believer goes into the presence of Christ in heaven. The believer goes where Jesus is now. I want to qualify a couple of things that, that, that qualify a statement I made earlier so it's not confused with, with a particular doctrine that is propagated out there by some individuals. When the Bible talks about sleep, it doesn't refer to soul sleep, and that's something that a number of individuals out there propagate. They argue that after a person dies, that there is no conscience, conscious existence between death and the resurrection. In other words, what they're saying is that when I die physically, my soul goes into unconsciousness until the resurrection. I go into that what they term soul sleep. Well, there's nothing in Scripture at all that even implies that. And to create a doctrine around the word sleep, such as this one, it is absolutely unwarranted for. You can't build the doctrine around a metaphor. The only reason Paul uses the term sleep when speaking about death to the believer is in order to present death in an unfrightening manner. Listen, the truth of the matter is that when a person dies physically, at that moment that person goes into the very presence of Christ where he is today. Another position that has been advocated for some time now is purgatory. Now, purgatory could be defined as a temporary hell where those who believe in it go to or must attend in order to work off the temporal punishment for their sins. The curious thing is that the doctrine of purgatory is nowhere found in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, many would argue that the whole doctrine of purgatory was accepted as a tradition in medieval times because of the faulty view of justification of the church during that time. And it was officially proclaimed dogma by the church uh, much later, uh, I mean, in, in, you know, in, in the 13th century. The point being this, listen, we argue that the believer remains in a conscious state. Those who die apart from Christ go to a place called hell where they face punishment for their rejection of Christ and are later cast into the lake of fire for eternity. And those who die in a personal relationship with Christ go to be with Him in His presence immediately where He is today and later to be in His presence in the eternal state forever. And we know that, that and, and the question being this, because I, we've got a few minutes left and I don't want to get into, I, I want to make some, some application. For those of you who might be listening to this message, 
I make a statement such as this one. When a person dies, there's only two places that person can possibly go to. Either you go to heaven or you go to hell. You don't have to agree with me and you don't have to believe it. It doesn't change the fact, but you, you don't have to agree with me and you don't have to believe it. But it doesn't change the fact. The fact is, the fact is, the fact is, because you can't prove it otherwise because God's never been proven wrong. So think about that for a minute. You can't prove it otherwise because God's never been proven wrong. When you die, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. What determines where you go is your spiritual state at the moment you die. 